got three job offers, moved to DC and ended up taking a position at the Pentagon. And when I finally got there, I realized no matter how interested I was in government and politics, no matter how talented I was at learning languages, I'm a highly sensitive individual. And there's a lot of bloodshed and secrecy and dishonesty that can come with working in national security. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Mind Valley is bringing you the most advanced education in the world. If you are a member of Mind Valley, know that you're going to get access to all of this for less than $2 a day. See, most schools like Harvard charge thousands of dollars for a college education, and we think this is rubbish. We know that in five years from now, you will be better equipped when you get to study from the likes of the incredible teachers that we bring on the Mind Valley platform with the curriculum design, the amazing storytelling, and the technology that really enables you to truly transform. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman to learn more on how to become a member of Mind Valley. Hey everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We're going to be talking about finding our dream career, really touching into our core as to what is it that we want to create in the world and how do we find the best career to do so. Now, of course, if you're just tuning in for the first time, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you do leave a review for the show, it definitely helps us support even more people to discover this podcast so they can make themselves superhumans in the process. So today we have an incredible guest, Ashley Stahl, who's a career coach, a spokesperson, and an author of the upcoming book called U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. Now, before I bring Ashley on, I want to share a few of her accolades because she's done incredible things, such as being named by Diplomatic Courier Magazine as a top 99 under 33 foreign policy leader. She's been featured in publications such as Wall Street Journal, CBS, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, Time Magazine, and more. She is the founder of Ashley Stahl Internations, a firm that offers private coaching. She also has her own publishing called Cake Publishing, where she helps with ghostwriting, copywriting, and publicity for influencers and small business. She's worked with over 7,000 students in her online programs at the Job Offer Academy, has two of her TEDx talks, which have went viral, and she's going to be here to help us discover a lot more about how to find our dream career. What are some of the myths that might come with what you think you want and making sure that you align yourself with what really creates an impact? Ashley, it's a pleasure to have you on Superhumans at Work and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Well, I'm excited too. I mean, I've seen that you've done so many things from so many directions. And we were talking before how you've actually created these different businesses that almost run on autopilot now, yet when I look at your history, you actually started in counterterrorism, which seems so different than what you do now. And that seems like, you know, from a lot of people who might be, you know, in a current field, going into something completely different seems like out of reach. So I'd be curious to hear, how did you go from being in a direction working in counterterrorism to finding yourself in coaching and, you know, doing talks around finding your dream career? How did that path happen? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of us go to college and, or maybe even not and we feel this pressure to figure out who we want to be when we grow up and it's it's so interesting because if you think about marriage or commitment, it's almost like what we're doing to ourselves is saying you need to pick the right one on the first try, you know? 
And I can't imagine if we did that to ourselves with life partners and yet we're doing it to ourselves with our careers. And so I kind of felt that pressure and I just knew that I was interested in government. I loved cultures. I loved traveling and studying it just seemed like the natural thing to do. I had no idea how to make sense of that interest in an actual career path. And I ended up just kind of following what everybody said I should do. I mean, even growing up as a kid, I think I heard about being like a veterinarian, a teacher, an astronaut, maybe a firefighter, like very small, limited pool of career options were introduced to me as a kid. So I ended up wanting to be a senator or a politician. I gave everything to that career path. I was very affected by 9-11. We had family on the East Coast. And that kind of just set me up as a millennial who had that memorable moment. I think each generation has different traumas and different moments that stand in their key adolescent years. And for me, 9-11 was that moment. And it really made me want to use my, A, my language skills. You know, we were talking about how we're both fluent in French and I'm easy at learning languages. And so it just kind of made sense, but I didn't really fully consider it because when I really got into counterterrorism, which was a whole journey in and of itself. You know, I graduated during the recession, couldn't get a job to save my life, took an admin assistant job, barely was paying the bills, making minimum wage. And then one day I contacted my university and I said, you know, do you have a list of people who've graduated and moved to government jobs in DC? Like I want to network with people. They ended up sending me 2000 names, phone numbers, and emails of graduates and alumni. Wow. Yeah. So I worked my way through those 2000 names over the course of six months in my job. And when I finally got enough traction and opportunities, and obviously there's plenty of rejection in that, but I made my way through the whole list, got three job offers, moved to DC and ended up taking a position at the Pentagon. And when I finally got there, I realized no matter how interested I was in government and politics, no matter how talented I was at learning languages, I'm a highly sensitive individual. And there's a lot of bloodshed and secrecy and dishonesty that can come with working in national security. And I think that's what happens with so many people is that they follow an interest and they don't actually ask themselves does this career align with my core values? You know, like if you value integrity as a non-negotiable principle for your life, you might not be down to work for an oil company. Like there's just so many different layers of our career. So number one was my core values that I totally missed the mark on. And number two was my core skill set. And I, in my book, I talk about how there's 10 core skill sets that I think exist in the workforce. And it's really powerful to know which one you are. Mm. Well, one of the things I notice in your story here is, you know, for you to be able to contact the university, get that list of 2000 people, this seems like the acts of someone who's very problem solving. So you seem to have that way of just finding out where you can really find a lever to move to get what you want. And so what is that skill set that you think gets you those ways of navigating, finding those three job offers that I don't seem to see in everybody here? You know, I haven't been asked this question and I really love it because there is something going on with me and I'm aware of that. I would say the way that I see the world is through the lens of numbers. I think life is a numbers game. I think opportunities are a numbers game. And so when 
people come up to me and they say, I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. How do I get paid what I'm worth? Or how do I find the person I love? Like, how do I find my life partner? It's like life is a numbers game. You're not stuck. You just haven't created options for yourself. And the way you create options is through seeing life as a numbers game. So whenever people are applying for jobs, I say, come up with a company list of so many companies that all you do is work your way through each and every one. Find the HR person in each one. Find the person that's on the team you want to be on in each one. Email, email, email. And I think my mantra when it comes to life is really just high intention and low attachment. I think that people end up getting so hurt and sensitive in their career and it really costs them a lot because if they let it really hit their mindset and make them make meaning out of the situation and make meaning out of themselves when they get a lot of rejection, it stops them from continuing. I treat the send button in my button in my email as if it's a forget button. Like When I'm putting myself out there for opportunities, you could ask me, like, how many emails did you send? How many DMs did you hit up on Instagram? And I don't even have an answer for you because I don't remember. I already let myself forget. And whenever I hear somebody talking about a job opportunity, if they're talking about it for too long, they're too attached, in my opinion. So I always tell people like, oh, you're too attached. Your job hunt is about to be really rough with the fact that you're this focused on something. And we also get too stuck in the fantasy of what things actually are. And that blocks us from really getting honest about, I would say the two biggest factors in your career is your core skill set and your core values. That's what it comes back to is what is the number one skill that you want to harness in your job and what are the values you hold dearly so that once you see a list of jobs that line up with the skill set you want, filtering through those based on your core values of, you know, looking at the companies you want to work at or the people you want to work for and do they match your core values? Do they even worse do they violate your core values? Because you know, a lot of people feel like something's missing at work, but sometimes I find that the people who are most viscerally unhappy, their core values are being violated, you know, like the person who values integrity or justice and they have to lie or they have to do something that doesn't feel honest for them, whatever their values are, or, you know, they're using a skill set all day that doesn't line up with their natural gift and they're exhausted, Mm, that's a fascinating lens to look into it because I can think of times that I've been in a workplace. Like I remember that I, oh my God, a long time ago, I used to be working for a company that was teaching Canadians how to buy U.S. real estate. This was back in that recession in 2008. And, you know, I went through a bit of a, an adventure myself where I actually got taken advantage of and lost a lot of money because I was taken through a group of people that weren't so ethical, let's say, in the process of teaching. But I found myself actually turning around and helping design a lot of the educational material based on the things that I had learned by actually doing it. And when I saw that the values within that company started to go back into the gray area, the way they were selling was going, you know, making bigger and bigger promises with a lot less integrity is where I really found myself being disconnected with the mission, finding myself wanting to take a foot out of it and going into something completely different. And this is eventually how I found myself going towards Valley as a company. And so I'd be curious to know, like, I love this idea of making sure it's aligned to your core values. What are the traditional red flags that somebody could see when they're within that workplace and they realize that there might be that mismatch within their core values? I think the first thing is just to connect to your body. I mean, I was talking about, I think I said this in my TED talk, I was doing a research and, you know, we now call the gut, the second brain for a reason. There's more than 200 million neurons on it. So it's, it has the intelligence of a cat or dog's brain size. And when you tune into your body, it's like 
Noticing that sinking feeling in your stomach, there's an intelligence to that. Noticing that you feel pulled towards something, a nudge towards something. You have a conversation with someone and what they're telling you feels so like expansive for you. There's an intelligence to that. So everybody has different core values. And it's not to say, you know, I hate to say that people might not value integrity. It just might not be something within the fabric of who they are. You know, maybe they value integrity in theory, but they're comfortable selling something they don't believe in. That doesn't cross them wrong. So I think it's really important to kind of get clear on what those are for you. And you can usually ask friends what they think that your core values are based on who you are and how you show up in the world, because usually they're quite obvious. And I think a lot of people make the mistake when they're thinking about their core values, they think about words that are a little more aspirational. So instead of answering the question of who are you, they answer the question with their core values of who do I want to be? And while that's nice to know, it's not really your core values. Your core values are words where if you take away that word, you take away you. That's when you know what it is. So for example, I mean, contrary to how I'm showing up here on this podcast, I have a pretty good sense of humor and a lot of friends, if I stopped having a sense of humor, they would notice and think something's wrong. Like they would come over and be like, you're not yourself. Another core value is generosity. Like I'm always giving things to people. I like it. it makes me feel good. I'm always donating whatever I can do to be of service. And if you take that away, people are going to be like, you seem so off. So it's it's really important to ask yourself whatever those words and principles are for you. It could be family, balance, wellness, spirituality, authenticity, humor, adventure. And then another piece of the puzzle is to define what those words mean for you. Because for one, I had a client every now and again, I still take on private clients and I had one guy tell me that his definition of an adventure, he said that adventure was a core value, was skydiving and, you know, like adrenaline junkie things. And then I had another client and she said it was adventure. And I asked her what that meant for her. She said it was trying new restaurants in New York. So it's really important. And I think this also, I just can't help but draw the parallels between your career and your love life. It's the same thing with love. When you pick a partner, it's like, we both value family. Well, what if family for one person means that they see them four times a week and family for you just means like you call them every few weeks. Like, how do you guys navigate that? And so it's the same thing with your career, really getting clear on not just what the word is, but how it manifests and how you hold it in yourself. Wow. That's powerful. So if I understand this correctly, there's two major steps here is, well, the one that's not as conscious is just having that trust of your gut and trusting a bit how the feeling was. And, you know, you mentioned that and I, I couldn't help but think about how I just felt like something was off, but I couldn't describe it. But the second part here, you're saying that once you actually take the time to come up with those list of values and start defining them, then it gives you a better blueprint, almost on the conscious level to really pinpoint what is causing that gut feeling to be off because you'd be able to kind of pinpoint where there's a transgression on the value side. Did I get that correctly? Yes, exactly. And I think also it's just about energy. If you feel exhausted, if you feel people who feel miserable tend to be having something trespassed upon. So maybe a core value is being violated, like we talked about, or their core skill set isn't being used. And then they're ending up operating in a different core skill set that doesn't really reflect who they are. Like, for example, my core skill set is words. Here I am using them. You know, I have a podcast, I have my book, like all these things that are built on words. And if you put me in the core skill set of technology, I would be the most miserable little sour patch on the entire internet because I'm just awful at technology. 
you know, like you were tinkering and babysitting me with my microphone before this episode to prove it. So I think it's just important that people really notice when they're depleted. Is it about your skill set? Are you using a skill that feels like a buzzkill for you? Or is it about your core values? Is the company showing up in a way or is the culture designed in a way that feels like it's not honoring who you are or it's trespassing on it? Hmm. Well, you definitely touched on something that I have a passion for, which is that technology pace. So whenever you do ask me a question about microphones, you know that that brings up a lot of passion for me because I love tinkering with the technology. But I wanted to talk about a trickier situation because I'm getting really clear with what you're saying when it comes to the core values. And I definitely appreciate that. And I can see how it can serve me. And in your case, I found it interesting when you were in counterterrorism, which seemed to be a lot of the things that you had to do there were actually aligned with your skill set, except for one of them, which was, you know, or two of them, let's say that maybe the bloodshed and the integrity, right? And so what I wanted to draw here is what happens when you find that quote unquote dream job that seems to tick all the boxes, even on the financial level, on the usage of your skill set, like you get to do what you love every day, but there is still that transgression on the values. That seems to be a tough place. What do you usually advise when people find themselves in that kind of situation? Yeah, I think it's really important to reflect in your career and also manage your own expectations. Way too many people, I think because we grew up, like you said, that phrase dream job, that goes up and is used in literature increasingly in the 80s into the millennium, especially the concept of find your passion. There's research studies on how much that term is used to the point where we can attest to the fact that it's a part of culture. And when you really look at that, it's like we've kind of gotten off path And it's important to remember that your dream job is still a job and we need to manage our expectations and remember that work is going to sometimes feel like work. So I like to recommend to people in my courses, on my podcast, wherever they find me, you'll usually find me eventually recommend drawing a cross on a piece of paper, like four quadrants. The top is good at and not good at. And then the left is like and don't like. The area that you're not good at and don't like If you're spending much more than 10 to 15% of your job in that zone, maybe it's time to say, this might not be my dream job after all. And it's important because sometimes people will say that and they'll want to throw away that whole career path. They'll think, man, I wasn't meant for medicine after all, or whatever the, the path is that they're on. But the truth is how one job can look at one company is very different from how that exact same job can look at another. So it's important to really make sure, is it what you're doing, the responsibilities you're taking on, the skill set you're using, or is it how you're doing it or who you're doing it for? So kind of making that distinction, because if it's just who you're doing it for, how you're doing it, which is usually a core value issue, you can just move companies and try to use that skill set in a different way. Or if you're a business owner, you can rework your services, rework your ideal client and how you're serving them or what your packages and offerings are. So I would say if 85% of your work isn't in the not good at, don't like zone, you're doing pretty good. I love to see people in the like, but not good at zone, maybe 10, 15, even 20% of the time, because that means they're working on that zone of growth. They're not good at something, but they like it. They want to get better at it. I think that that's a really powerful thing, but my message would still be to honor your core skill set, honor your core values, and be realistic about your expectations. I mean, everything you do in life that you love kind of has a cost of admission. And I hate to have a mindset that believes that, but I do think it's true. You know, like every strength is a weakness. Every gift has something on the shadow side of it. So 
the more you can manage your own expectations, I think the more you can spare yourself some drama in your career and you can get a little more grounded and just keep those expectations realistic. That's some sound advice that seems to be very easy to digest as well, even without everything being sunshine, rainbows and butterflies when it comes to building a career. Because sometimes, like I said, I went through that really harsh time when it came to that U.S. real estate venture that I was in. But I had some of my biggest growth come through that quote unquote trauma that I had to go through. And I think sometimes that's what's necessary to find those new skill set at the same time. I wouldn't be where I am today if I wouldn't have went down those paths. And I'd be curious to know, we started off with, you know, the whole history around counterterrorism. I wanted to know what were some of the leaps that you had to do when you made that transition and what were the ways that you were able to find that what you're doing now is so much closer or is exactly what you were looking to do as a dream job? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of going back to the body and connecting to yourself. When you follow what feels good, there's a lot of clarity either right in front of you that will come or on the periphery of that. And I think when you're following something that you feel connected to, even if it's beyond reason, like for example, I pursued counterterrorism. There's a little whisper inside of me in grad school that saw everybody else who was obsessed with politics after a five-hour lecture still talking about it, whereas I was interested. It wasn't something that was going to last, you know, passion never dies, excitement does. And so I think it was something I was excited about and interested in, but I wasn't alive about it. Yet, when I started job hunting, something about pursuing counterterrorism still felt like the right move, even if I felt a knowing inside of me that it might not be my career path forever. And so I followed what felt good, even knowing that and just trusted myself. And on the periphery of that, I learned how to be an excellent job hunter. I ended up doing little coffee groups at Starbucks for friends who were job hunting. That turned into online courses, my podcast, everything I've got going on. And you know, my book. And it's like my whole business is built on that moment in time where I was following what feels good and job hunting came up on the periphery of that. So I think if you're not feeling good or connected to where you're going, even if it's beyond reason, you know, like it might not make sense what you want to follow, but you want to follow it. That's enough. And so I think trusting yourself and noticing the little nudges on the sidelines is really important. I notice also in today's times, there's a lot of people that are very much looking externally for answers. And you see like the coaching industry is booming. And when it comes to, you know, finding our careers, we often look externally for people to just tell us what to do. Yet I know you speak a lot about becoming your own coach in the process. Is this some of the core elements that you're speaking about having that self-trust and taking actions? And do you have some other messages we could share with people that need to embody that inner coach for themselves? Yeah, I love the topic of intuition. And one thing I'll add on to it is that it's absolute. Intuition isn't emotional. I find that intuition is just neutral feedback. And it usually sounds like this is good for me. This is not good for me. That's it. And so I think if you can start to notice what you're noticing, pay attention, notice when you're feeling good, like, oh, I'm feeling so good right now. Why is that? Oh, I'm not feeling so good right now. And see that as an inner alarm to say, What am I thinking about? What am I feeling? Why am I not feeling good? What about this doesn't feel good? That's the beginning. I do agree with you that the personal development industry is saturated. And I'm sure I've been one of those people at some point or another. It's such a slippery slope of people who are telling you the truth versus encouraging you to inquire into your own truth. And I think that anyone who's listening to this podcast, my hope would be that they look at their life and they figure out where are they listening to everybody else versus themselves because you are your own guru. Like there's not one you elsewhere. We are little snowflakes on this planet, completely unique. 
And what's going to work for one person isn't going to work for another. I just got a cold recently and thankfully it wasn't COVID. And I kept telling my partner, William, I kept saying, I got it from a friend. And I kept saying, you know, by the second week he was done. So I'm going to be done in a few more days. He's like, well, that was his body. That's not your body. And it's true. I ended up having it for twice the period of time he did. And it's just, everybody has a different physical body, emotional body, pain body, trigger points. Like who are we to minimize the amount of years we've spent with ourselves and transfer our trust into somebody else's knowledge? Use people's wisdom for your own self-inquiry. That is amazing. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all these incredible insights. It's such a practical and great way for us to actually look at if there's a change we want to do in our career right now, these are some of the core things we can look at. Or if we want to make sure that we want to reinforce what we're currently doing, I think this gives you something that can give you the power and the reinforcement that you need to make that decision strongly. For everybody listening, just a quick recap here is just understanding that when you're trying to find that dream career, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. There are going to be some aspects of doing the work that is going to be work, but it doesn't mean that it should be the majority of everything that you do. We talk about the two core things that we should really look into to make sure that there's a match between the type of work that we do and where we do it. Number one is the core values. Focus on being clear on what are those core values. And here, I love that we talk about the second brain. We talk about how your gut is going to be a big indicator that you should trust. This is actually going to send you signals about how this feels. And Ashley has spoken into ways that she has been experiencing that herself and has guided so many others into making sure they can trust that. And then you can start developing what are those values, not necessarily those amazing, bold values that you aspire to, but what is true for you now. And the more you clarify these, define these so that you have that blueprint you can look at and realize, hey, if this company I'm working at is actually transgressing these values, or if the industry that I'm choosing continuously finds themselves transgressing on these values, this might be a time that you want to reevaluate the career. The second big aspect here that we talked about is these skill sets. What are those core skill sets that you want to develop and how are they being used within the industry that you've chosen? Are you good with the writing such as Ashley has spoken and how do you best apply an industry that needs that skill? Are you good in analytical? Are you good in all these different types of skill set, ensure that you find yourself in a position that you can maximize the uses of this. When you pair your core values with those skill sets, you start finding yourself having a roadmap that can draw you towards closer of what you truly want. And I absolutely love that this is going to be giving a lot of clarity for people, whether you're in a business or you're working as an entrepreneur yourself, you're going to use this as a roadmap to really give you that U-turn if it's necessary. So you can get unstuck, discover your direction and design your dream career in the process. If you haven't already checked out the links in the show notes. We're going to make sure you can discover more from Ashley Stahl, as well as pick up her book, U-Turn. That'll get you some even more in-depth knowledge from what we've discussed today, including taking you deeper into what are those core skill sets, and you'll be able to learn so much more in the process. Ashley, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all these incredible insights and everybody tuning in. Thanks again, and be superhuman. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, 
you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.